Hello, and welcome to Foul Puck, a podcast about sports ball for the rest of us. Unlike other sports ball podcasts, we talk about sports without assuming you out there in listener land know everything there is to know about WH2 and goalball. Today is August 20th. Um, I'm Rebecca. I'm typically your hockey person, uh, but today we are all your Paralympics people. Um, so, so we thought it would be a good idea to follow up all of our Olympic stuff with, um, you know, we're not going to do the same kind of level of primers because it's already too late for that. And we, we <laughs> did not plan well, <laughs> uh, but we, yeah, talk, we got four days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we want to talk a little bit about the history of the Paralympics, um, some of the, some of the, um, classifications of athletes, the sports involved, et cetera. Um, so I am joined by Rachel, who's going to talk to us about history and Nancy, who's going to talk to us about these classifications. Um, and I'm just going to toss it right over to you, Rachel. Tell us a little bit about what you learned about Paralympic history. Paralympics. What are they? (laughs) What am sports? (laughs) Okay. So first off, I want to say that athletes with disabilities have always competed in sports and the Olympics were no exception. And I did fall down a little bit of a rabbit hole of um, athletes with disabilities competing at the Olympics before the Paralympics were a thing. So Mm. bear with me. I thought these stories were really interesting. Yes, that's cool. So uh, the earliest competitor that we know about uh, in 1904, the uh, Olympics in St. Louis German immigrant to America, George George Iser, competed in men's gymnastics with a prosthetic leg. Wow. Yes, he lost his leg in a train accident as a child. Hmm. Um, So he... Yes? No, yikes. I said yikes. Okay. (laughs) Yes, indeed. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the 1904 Olympic events program was still kind of confusing. Uh, Remember I talked about the 1900s Wild West Olympics. Mm -hmm. Um, They were still sorting things out in 1904, which it was only the third Olympics, so fair. Um, so the the program was a little bit confusing. It lasted for months. There were actually two separate gymnastics events. Iser didn't do well in the first one, but in the second one, he won three golds, two silvers, one bronze. Holy cow. Damn. Well yep. done, sir. Uh, and there's a great picture of the entire 1904 men's uh, gymnastics teams all on the parallel bars doing handstands all next to each other. You know, I mean, now that I, like, just thinking about that, like, the majority of the men's events, yeah, I mean, the high bar, other than for landing, you don't need your legs hardly at all for momentum, I guess. The parallel bars, same deal. The pommel horse, same deal. Yeah, it is very upper body. Same deal. Frankly, with pommel horse, only having one leg might be a Might be an advantage. (laughs) I mean, genuinely. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so the next uh, athlete we know about uh, competed from 1928 through 1936. Hungarian Oliver Halassi competed in water polo and freestyle swimming. He, too, lost a lower leg in a train accident, which makes me wonder about the frequency of train accidents in the early 1900s. I mean... But I didn't research that. (laughs) That would have taken you down a whole other rabbit hole. Yeah, which I definitely could have gotten lost down, so I'm glad I didn't. So... I'm sorry, we're, we're going to go down this train thing for a real quick second. There is a sports tie-in. Um, there's a book, The Man from the Train, which I think you'll probably enjoy, Rachel. It's, it's uh, I forget his name now, but it's like Bill James or something like that, who actually writes 
um, baseball history books. Mm -hmm. He wrote this book, The Man from the Train, that's about a series of, like, axe murders that happen near trains. Like, yeah, I think fuck? I've heard of that book. Yeah. Yeah, like, in the, in the, like, 1885 to 1912, there were, like, 40 axe, like, 40 separate axe murders of families within five miles of trains. And so he's purporting that Were these that the ones is, that happened in California? I think there were some that happened in California, but, like, the Velisca axe murder is in there, and the axe man of New Orleans potentially okay, in yeah, there. yeah. yeah. So I mean, y'all starting your spinoff pod for uh, weird yeah, I think, historical I think murders. the world needs another true crime podcast. Know, right? What do you think, Rebecca? <laughs> Probably. Yours would talking be the about only the, one I would listen to. <laughs> talking about the recommendations and things that we got from other true, true crime podcasts. We could be a, a true crime podcast about other true crime yes. podcasts. It would be very meta. <laughs> I would do that with you, though. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's think about that. Yeah. Let's, let's go back to to we'll train accidents. See, and all I was 1900s. able to think of was was the one little house on the prairie episode where like I don't remember if it's a train accident that makes the kid blind or they try to cure the kid. Wait, wait, of wait, blindness wait, by wait. How does yeah. a train accident make a kid blind? I don't remember. I saw this <laughs> once at my babysitter's house when I was like five, but it made an impression. There's something, some horrible train accident in the TV show Little House on the Prairie, and has to do with the blind kid. And I, mean, I don't. Okay. Didn't that show end with their house getting blown up, or is that like what? I, I don't know. That, okay. Like that may have been the only episode I ever saw. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> listen, Rachel, go ahead. I'm going to okay, Google this. Well, yeah, Joe. If you need to cut this part out, just just cut it out. <laughs> Join us for our spinoff podcast on train accidents Choo-choo and other workout. random shit. <laughs> okay. Please continue. Back to Hungarian athlete Oliver Halassi. Uh, he won two gold and one silver with his country's water polo team. He never never medaled for swimming individually, but he won 25 national titles during his career. All right, jumping ahead to uh, 1948 to 1956. Another Hungarian, Karoli Takax, competed in pistol shooting. He shot left-handed because his right had been uh, amputated after an army training accident with a faulty grenade. But he won gold twice in 1948 and 1952. And he finished an eighth in 1956. That's pretty okay. cool. Okay. 1952 through 1956, again, Danish equestrian Liz Hartl was one of the first women to compete in the dressage event. Uh, polio had paralyzed her below the knees and affected the function of her arms and hands. Uh, she won two silver medals. Interestingly, her silver medal in 1952 for individual dressage was the first by any woman in any individual sport when in direct competition with men at the Olympics. Ooh. 1984, uh, Neroli Hall of New Zealand competed in archery. Uh, she's thought to be the first paraplegic to complete to compete, uh, oh, paralyzed cool. from the waist down after a motorbike accident. Um, she competed in both the Paralympics and the Olympics, came in 35th at the Olympics, uh, but did win gold in the Commonwealth Games, which I believe is an international uh, competition for former British colonies. So, you know, Australia and New Zealand and everywhere else British shat on throughout the centuries. Uh, one gold there in 1982. And finally, someone who we've probably all heard of. In 2012, Oscar Pistorius of South Africa competed mm. in multiple sprinting events. Um, he is a double foot amputee. 
Um, he advanced to two semifinals uh, during that Olympics. And, of course, now he is in jail for the murder of his girlfriend in 2013. Yeah. And, fortunately, this is in the first sentence of his Wikipedia bio, so it hasn't been erased from history. I mean, that's okay. Maybe, but Rachel, <laughs> maybe this is our spinoff podcast. It's the intersection oh, of murder uh, and sports. sports true and true crime, crime yeah. and sports. I would be really interested to look into that. <laughs> uh, we won't put Nancy through that, though. I don't know. I mean... Maybe we would. <laughs> <laughs> she could be our peanut gallery. <laughs> there we go. Okay, so these are, as you'll, as you'll probably have noticed, uh, either mostly medal winners or recent athletes, uh, which does make me wonder how many others have competed, uh, particularly in early Olympics, that we just maybe haven't known about, maybe haven't known what uh, conditions they were dealing with. Okay, so now getting to the Paralympics itself. Uh, the official Paralympics has roots in World War II and the large number of injured servicemen returning from war. Uh, it started, uh, Dr. Ludwig Gutman, a Jewish refugee from Germany in Great Britain, opened a spinal injuries clinic at the Stoke Mandeville Hospital in 1944, and as part of that program, uh, organized some rehabilitative sports. And so London hosted the Olympics in 1948, and for that, Dr. Gutman organized an archery competition for 16 of his wheelchair athletes, which was called the Stoke Mandeville Games. And uh, the Stoke Mandeville Games became a thing after that, held every year in Britain for wheelchair athletes specifically, um, became international in 1952 with the next Olympic Games because uh, Dutch and Israeli veterans also participated. So after 1952, the, the Stoke Mandeville Games continued every year, but Rome in 1960 was the first time they were held at the same site as the Olympics. And so they are also known as the first official Paralympic Games. This was also the first time the Games were open to all athletes with disabilities and not just war veterans. Um, initially, they were only open to athletes in wheelchairs from 1960 to 1976. But in 1976 in Toronto, they opened to uh, more disability classifications. So since Rome in 1960, they've always been in the same year as the Olympics, but not always in the same location. Um, up until 1994. Uh, so even as late as 1984, the Paralympics uh, took place not only not at the same site as the Olympics, but in two countries, in New York and London. Oh, wow. Some events in each place. So in 2001, it was actually codified that uh, the host cities would be responsible mm -hmm. for both the Olympics and Paralympics as the same event. I kind of like that. Like, I Which didn't bit? know, I didn't, uh, that that they are, like, now they must be in the same place mm -hmm. i mean and it, a, a nice thing that i read was that um the cities were already doing that like they were already oh, volunteering right. to do that but oh, then good. they just went ahead and codified it yeah good i mean and it, it makes somebody showed sense. some generosity amazing how about that yeah it does make sense i mean it's it also like on a very basic level it means you're only disrupting one city's infrastructure right, exactly. every four years and you can um, presumably use a lot of the same like venues yeah. and yeah. yeah and you know most building codes nowadays they need to be uh, definitely accessible. in the u.s but other countries as well need to be accessible mm -hmm. so yeah all right so the stoke mandeville games actually stuck around for a long time they continue to be held yearly in britain until 1995 though in olympic years they were uh essentially the paralympics okay so uh summer paralympics were uh, around since 1960. Winter Paralympics were added in 1976. 
Interestingly, it was not called the Paralympic Games until 1988 in Seoul. Uh, so the name Paralympic oh, so was... Recent. I know. Yeah. Uh, originally a combination of paraplegic and Olympic, um, as they were uh, primarily open to wheelchair users. But since para means beside or alongside, it has worked as an umbrella term since... The contemporary Paralympic Games have similar opening and closing ceremonies as the Olympics. Uh, lighting of a torch, parade of nations, that kind of thing. Uh, there have been some controversies. I don't know if either of you are going to get into any of them. Um, another rabbit hole I could have fallen down but didn't too much. Um, funding, of course, um, particularly sure. in the articles I read talking about American athletes who don't receive any government funding and thus are kind of scraping together funding from other sources uh, media coverage there's uh, less of it yeah significantly yeah though so i will were... say there's been a lot more inclusion of the paralympic athletes in advertising campaigns which i do appreciate mm -hmm. i agree yeah so the paralympics were first televised in 1976 but it was kind of a i think nbc had the the rights back then as well it was like a, a five-hour clips package on a <laughs> cable network so it was not accessible to most people. Um, and coverage didn't really improve until the 2000 Sydney Games. Mm. Well, you know, I've got to say, like, of, of course, we always had more coverage of the Olympics before that point. But mm -hmm. in the modern era, we've gotten better c coverage of the Olympics, too. Like, it used the, to yeah, be that you true. could only watch, like, mm -hmm. and in the U.S. At, use, at least, you could only watch, like, you know, from 8 to 10 a.m. and then from 8 to 12 p.m. and you watch what the networks gave you. Yep. Yeah, especially when there's a big time difference right. in the, the locations, yeah. To the U.S., I should say. Yeah. Okay, and another issue is one of fairness, which, you know, comes up at the Olympics, too. Um, and then, so one, one example of this was a, a 2016 article in a journal called Nature, which talked okay. about... Um, the relative fairness of um, right leg versus left leg prostheses. I'm sorry, what? So, prosthetic limbs. Yeah. No, I'm, no, I'm, okay. I, I know the words you're using. I'm disbelieving okay. about the concept. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so, because... <laughs> so, uh, uh, this is a direct quote from the, the article. An athlete racing with a left leg prosthesis might run more slowly than a competitor with a right side prosthesis at the Paralympic Games because right... Races are run in the anti-clockwise direction, counterclockwise. Right. Sure. Uh, so the speed at which people run around a curve is thought to be limited by the forces exerted on the leg on the inside of the curve, which if you're running counterclockwise is left. Your left leg, yeah. To test this, Paolo Taboga of the University of Colorado Boulder and his team measured the running speeds of 11 athletes wearing leg prostheses. Those with one prosthetic leg were on average 3.9% slower Hmm. when their prosthetic leg was on the inside of the curve compared when it was on the outside. Oh, all right. So that's a, an additional issue that the Paralympics kind of has to contend with. Hmm. Um, unlike the Olympics, Paralympics does allow sponsor logos on uniforms and in arenas. So we will see that. You know, I'm sorry. I want to coverage. go back to that, the running thing quickly. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Um, there are no, like, long-distance runs in the Paralympics. The longest mm -hmm. is 800 meters. So mm -hmm. I guess if you're talking about that kind of difference, I mean, I don't know what, what length of, of race they measured for that, that study in that article, but I've got to imagine it's exaggerated in a, or not that the it's exaggerated in a short race. Cumulative. No, I was going to say the opposite, that in a oh, long really? race, 
it probably evens out because you're, you know, you're pacing yourself a little bit more. You're not going that like flat out hmm. um, as fast as you can. Right. Let's see if I can pull up the, the article to see if it. I, that's all right. I just said, no, that is, I mean, it's an interesting thought that it, it might be more pronounced in sprinting races than. But ones. I mean, yeah, it doesn't have it in the abstract. Yeah. So I wasn't able to, that's to look at the full text. I mean, it is funny, though, that Nancy and I went in opposite directions. Opposite directions. <laughs> Somebody needs to study this. Clearly, there is a hole in our research. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that about uh, wraps up my, my little history lesson. Just to say that uh, Tokyo 2020, question mark, is the 16th <laughs> Summer Paralympic Games. Cool. Thank you. Um, and listen, if you want to go down any of those other rabbit holes <laughs> at some point and share with us, please feel free. <laughs> okay. Even yeah, if totally. it's like a Twitter thread or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a blog, which I occasionally remember to post to. We do so have a blog. That's true. Should, should we do, do have a blog. Um, Nancy, can we, can we transition to you now? Let's talk yeah, about we totally how, can. These, how these athletes are classified. Yeah, so this was really interesting. I, I kind of briefly mentioned this, I think, in our last episode um, that I had, you know, when I first started Googling about the Paralympics, about which, to be clear, I know fuck all. Yeah, because which it's one of those things where it's like, I, I feel that I am representative of most Americans in knowing fuck all about the Paralympics. Yeah. But also that's kind of sad. And that's part of why I wanted to yes. learn about it. Right. Um, Ditto all around. Yeah. Um, But one of the things I had, you know, and I had seen some, some, like, I was aware they existed. Um, There was a a documentary that came out in the early 2000s called Murderball that was all about wheelchair basketball. Super Uh, interesting. Wheelchair rugby. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. Um, I saw those guys in an airport once. Oh, really? Yeah. Man, they are hardcore. Um, So I saw that when it came out, um, you know, and I've seen plenty of pictures of sled hockey which is very fun um and obviously like like i mentioned um you see more and more paralympians in advertising campaigns like toyota had a big one that we talked about in our super bowl episode actually Mm -hmm. which features a paralympic swimmer um and then oscar pistorius was a like cultural figure for a hot minute there um so so i knew they existed i had an idea of some of the sports that were represented. Yes, Rebecca. Yeah, I just, on the topic of, like, knowing fuck all, I Mm -hmm. realized that through my research of this, I have been confusing Paralympics with Special Olympics. Yeah, me too. I thought they were the same thing. I thought they were the same thing as well. And and I was embarrassed, frankly, with myself when I realized that. Yep. And then I was like, okay, we're going to share this embarrassment just in case somebody else (laughs) has the same thought. Yep. Yep. So that actually is one of the first things I was going to say. Um, and I looked at a bunch of different websites because um, when I f- first kind of came across this, uh, I was like, oh, I never even thought about this. I knew there was like track and I knew there were obviously like basketball and rugby and like swimming. But it never occurred to me that you have to control for not only like gender and sport, but also for disability. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, so when you are looking at, it, say you're an athlete, say you are an athlete who would qualify potentially for the Paralympics, um, 
the first thing you have to do is meet minimum eligibility criteria, and those differ across the sports and across the disability groups. And also, in addition to the Paralympic Games, there are the Deaf Olympics, which I also didn't hmm. know about. No yeah, I've never heard of that. And the Special Olympics, um, which uh, Paralympic Games, the eligibility criteria differ across sports and disability groups. They also, um, in the Special Olympics, the criteria begin with being at least eight years old. Uh, for the Paralympics, you have to be 18. Uh, Special Olympics, you can be eight plus and be identified by an agency or a professional as having an intellectual disability to be able to participate. And then they also do divisioning uh, based on age, gender, and ability. Um, so classification, I, I saw this on a lot of the websites I was looking at, is er, talked about as being sort of similar to like weight categories in sports. Um, so you are classified according to your level of functional ability. Uh, so like if you're a wrestler, right, you only wrestle other athletes who are within a certain number of pounds of you because if you weigh 150 pounds and you're wrestling somebody who weighs 250 pounds it's not really a fair fight right right um similarly if you're only you know if you only have somewhat limited sight and you're playing against somebody with no with severe vision impairment that's not really fair either so they do some interesting things first in um dividing the sports up into tiers in that way classifications is what they call them uh and then also controlling for things so uh so let's see here what did i want to so i the mission of the paralympics is to be as inclusive as possible regarding athletes who possess one of a broad range of physical and intellectual disabilities so it's not just the special olympics that include intellectual disabilities the paralympics do also mm -hmm. um Yes, I did read about that on the kind of the timeline of, of when they were officially allowed in. And yeah, and, and Rebecca, to, to give ourselves a tiny bit of credit, that may be part of why we were conflating uh, That's very generous of you. I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure that that's, that's I, true for I think me. it's plausible. I don't know if it's true for me either, but I want to give us the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Um, they are, as Rachel was saying, modeled after the Olympic competitions. And each disability classification has a number of freestanding athletic events within it. And then each event is contested within the parameters of that classification. So there are six broad categories, which include amputee, cerebral palsy, intellectual disability, wheelchair, vision impairment, and other. <laughs> um, and there are, you know, sort of minimum criteria. So if you've lost a finger, you don't qualify as an amputee for the purposes of the Paralympics, right? It needs to be a major musculoskeletal joint. So an ankle, a knee, an elbow um, has to impede you in a significant manner. Mm -hmm. um, then you also have uh, things does like... It, yes. You may address this later, but does it have to be associated with your sport? So like someone who... I had a, a leg amputation and a shooting or archery event. Would that come into play? I don't remember. I know it talked about this. So let's see if I turn it back up in my notes because I don't okay. remember off the top Fair. of my we'll, head. We'll put a pin in that. Uh, so 
intellectual disability obviously is a more subjective determination uh, than that employed in physical disabilities. Very easy to quantify whether you've lost your leg or not. Um, less easy to quantify how intellectually disabled you are. Uh, but the Paralympics define this as one where the athlete was afflicted with the disability prior to reaching the age of 18 years. And when there is proof from either physicians or other third-party specialists that the athlete has a limitation of mental function in two or more specific areas, including academic performance, communication skills, community living skills, the ability of the athletes to safely care for themselves, and their ability to live there on their own. Hmm. Um, wheelchair athletes are those who have sustained a minimum of 10% loss of function in the lower limbs, which was lower than I would have expected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, most common illness or injuries sustained by wheelchair athletes are either catastrophic traumas, like paraplegia or quadriplegia, getting or hit polio, by a train. getting hit by a train or polio, uh, or amputation. Uh, vision impaired athletes range from those whose eyesight requires significant correction by way of lenses to athletes who are entirely blind, and others <laughs> is an official category which cracks me up. Category reserved for disabled athletes who do not meet the requirements of the previous five categories. Yeah, I kept running. They called it, the article I read called it Les Autres. So it sounds a little better in French, I guess. Yep. Yeah, it's still the others. Yeah. Uh, a common disability found in those is that of dwarfism. Um, so then once you've been categorized, the classification then is conducted within each sport. Um, so for example, for the 400 meter race, uh, which is a track race running on the track, you compete in different classifications within each category. So an amputee who's missing a leg below the knee will compete against athletes who are also missing a leg below the knee, athletes with a single above the knee amputation, athletes with a double amputation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's meant to try and be fair about that, mm -hmm. right? like equalizing exactly yeah. exactly so you're all which gets to the sort of running around the track thing like if you're all missing one leg i mean i i didn't see any evidence that they divide left leg versus right leg but so i suppose you could um yeah i mean what i read didn't see like mm -hmm. it seemed like this was a, a fairly recent uh, that it's been mm -hmm. proven you know at least mm -hmm. that people are, ta are talking about it um, so track and field is divided into over 50 classifications. Swimming has over 14. Uh, and then they also have some equipment, which I thought was interesting. So like goal ball, which Rebecca mentioned in the intro, is an indoor variant of soccer. Um, and it uses technology to eliminate any disputes regarding the degree of disability due to vision impairment, because it gives all of the goal ball competitors goggles that render them 100% blind. Oh, hey, mm -hmm. that's one way to do right? it. So I thought that was super interesting. Um, so let's see. Uh, what else did I want to call out? Uh, so there's... Um, so yeah, so classification is sport-specific. So this answers your question, Rachel, I think. Classification mm -hmm. is sport-specific because an impairment affects the ability to perform in different sports to a different extent. As a consequence, an athlete may meet the criteria in one sport, but may not meet the criteria in another sport. So, for example, yeah, if you're missing an arm, you're not going to get to compete on the track against people with a prosthetic leg, right? Mm. If you are, you know, an amputee, but, you, you know, or maybe if you're 
blind in a wheelchair, I don't think that you would play wheelchair rugby because I think that's limited to para or quadriplegic folks. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I don't know if you're paraplegic and blind. I don't know how that would work. Um, so classification. Yeah, I mean the the number of classifications that I was seeing as I was reading about the sports was it's extensive. Vast. Yeah, it's yeah. really in depth, and and I'm you know. I don't want to say did the bare minimum of research because I did actually do some <laughs> research here, but like it's obviously it you could have gone a lot. Deeper. I could have gone a lot deeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the yeah. interesting thing is that it continues to evolve a lot. Um, the classification was first introduced in the 1940s, and uh, there were some serious revisions in 2007 and subsequent Good. revisions in 2015. I can only imagine what the classifications <laughs> were starting in the 40s. Yeah. 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 Uh, the IPC classification code mandates the development of evidence-based systems of classification and details policies and procedures that should be common to all sports within the Paralympic movement. So, and you can read an extensive amount about this uh, online. There are, so in terms of impairment types that, that are allowed, uh this was interesting, and I don't feel confident that I understand all of these, actually. Um, I have no medical background whatsoever, um, which I'm sure contributes <laughs> to not understanding this. <laughs> there are 10 eligible impairment types. Eight of them are physical and then also vision and intellectual. Uh, they include impaired muscle power. Uh, so so you're, uh, an example of this is a spinal cord injury, Uh, or paraplegia, muscular dystrophy, polio, spina bifida. Impaired passive range of movement. Uh, So this would be something resulting from like uh, trauma, joint immobilization, other sorts of of diseases. Limb deficiency, (laughs) which I find to be a great (laughs) word for not having a limb. Uh, Leg length difference. Uh, athletes with a leg length difference have a difference in the length of their legs as a result of a disturbance of limb growth or as a result of a trauma. Short stature. Uh, this would include growth hormone dysfunction, other sorts of things. Hypertonia. Uh, this is cerebral palsy, traumatic brain injury, stroke. Ataxia, which is uncoordinated movements. Um, this can also be cerebral palsy, traumatic brain injury, stroke, multiple sclerosis. Athetosis, athetosis, continual slow involuntary movements, um, another cerebral palsy, traumatic brain injury, stroke, and then vision impairment, intellectual impairment. So there's like, there's a lot going on here, which is really interesting. Um, yeah, but it sounds like hearing impairment isn't no on there. No, it's its own separate thing. The Deaf Olympics is, is a separate issue. So like, there's a picture here on this page I'm looking at of a New Zealand javelin thrower and she's got, she's missing her arm basically below the elbow, which I'm a, I guess would disrupt your balance. So that mm-hmm. makes a certain mm-hmm. amount of sense. Um, and then they've got all this information about sport classes in detail. But one of the really interesting things, um, and let me see if I can find the exact details about this, uh, is that for the vision impaired and some of the intellectually impaired folks, um, they have to have guides. And mm-hmm. since I want to say it was since 2007, um, 
Yeah, if you know, since 2012, these guides are also eligible for medals because they're such an integral part of the training. So if you're a track runner and you can't see, you have to have this guide who is literally tied to you by a very thin string mm -hmm. and who runs along with you and keeps you in your lane. But obviously then the guide has to run as fast as you do, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So they are accomplishing the same task mm -hmm. <laughs> and thus also get the medal. Um, swimming, meanwhile, requires another unique adaptation for visually impaired athletes, someone known as a tapper, uses a long pole to alert the swimmer when they need to turn at the end of the pool, which hmm. I thought was interesting. Do they actually tap the swimmer or do they tap the water? I assume they tap the water. I, I was thinking tapping like the side yeah. of the pool. So, and, and this also- We're just going to have to watch and find out. We are. Yeah, I know. And this mentions, if you tune into certain events and notice that the crowd is absolutely silent, don't assume the spectators are being rude or unsupportive mm -hmm. for sports that require the players to rely on sound, such as goal ball and five-a-side football, the spectators must remain quiet. Mm -hmm. Which, again, totally makes sense, but I would never have thought about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to talk gonna about be that easy as well. this year. Yeah, but, yeah right? Ooh. Kind of an advantage in a weird way. So yeah. that's that's most of what I have. Um, I will say if this is something that, that you want to know more about or that interests you, the Paralympics website has quite a bit of information on it, uh, as does the World Para-Athletics uh, site, paralympic.org. So there's, there's, I mean, you can really go down some rabbit holes here and read a lot of detail about the different classifications and how they're determined and how you qualify and what they do and all of that, especially in the track and swimming areas. But, mm -hmm. but you, you get the idea. That's yeah. You know, something that uh, <clears throat> I didn't think to look up until we were talking about this. Um, I wonder how many um, individuals with disabilities are involved in a, making the classifications, mm. and B, making the decisions about what individuals meet what classifications. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, I would, really hope, question. I would hope that people with disabilities have the strongest voice in these classifications. Right. Um, One would but, hope, especially at the 2015 revision yeah, of the, the yeah, classifications. Yeah. So I'm going to look that up for next time yeah, so we can great. talk about that. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you... A little bit about some of the sports. I didn't go into everything because there's a I lot of be it here for yeah. six years. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there are 22 summer sports. Um, actually, before I do that, I want to talk about the medals. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the medals are made of the same recycled metals that <laughs> the um, Olympic medals are made from. Excellent elocution. There, Thank Rebecca. you. Um, they, you know, they they were all part of that same metal recycling process, which mm -hmm. I think is pretty awesome, mm -hmm. but they are different metals. They have a different design. They have a different like face. Um, so they do not look like the Olympic medals. Um, and two, um, two, I think important distinctions on on the face of the medal is written Tokyo 2020 in Braille. Oh, cool. Oh. And then oh. also around the outside of the medal, there are indentations 
one for gold, two for silver, and three for bronze. Oh, huh. So, so a visually impaired person holding the medal Knows. can tell what medal it is. That's awesome. And what what Paralympics it's from. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. That is pretty. And then cool. I, I you know what I didn't I didn't look this up, but I know there are I know there are different um, languages and dialects of sign language. Mm-hmm. The fact that this just says it's Tokyo twenty twenty written in Braille. Are there different languages of Braille? Yeah, because Braille at least I mean, yes, because it's based on letters. So right. So. Yeah, I was even trying to think how that would work with, um, I mean, you can write Tokyo, obviously, in, in Romaji. But, right. Um, so yeah. I know that there are also, <laughs> if I didn't know you don't have children, I would have thought that was a toddler. Um, <laughs> no, that's my 14-year-old cat. Yeah, no, I gotcha. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I know that in Braille, there are also like, you know, you can spell everything out letter by letter, but it takes up a lot of space. And so there are like shorthand. shorthand exactly. And almost like characters for certain words and so forth. Right. I don't know how universal those are. Like, I don't know if those transcend languages or if that's, you know, English has theirs and yeah. Spanish has theirs. And I, I don't know. Um, well, and you know, for, for the Olympics and the Paralympics, it might just be as simple as writing Tokyo 2020. Yes. Yeah. They I think they would write that in English. Yeah, on the Olympic medals, I'm pretty sure they are in English, so it wouldn't surprise me. Though Greek and French are the official languages of the Olympics, so... Oh, I don't think I knew French. Yep. Okay, yeah, you'll hear some of the announcements in French and stuff. Okay, well, according to BrailleWorks.com, there is a Braille language for many of the languages spoken today. While the move toward Braille uniformity, known as Unified English Braille, has led to many correspondences between the alphabets, the languages themselves are still distinct and unique. Okay, interesting. I mean, that makes sense. It does, because so much of so much of language reflects culture, and so much of culture is embedded in mm-hmm. language. I can't imagine that there are a whole bunch of cultures, a whole bunch of um, you know, sight limited cultures who want to give up that. Mm-hmm culture or language link to just learn American Braille. <laughs> so tiny tangent, but um, I watched a really interesting show last year. I mean, it was it was reality TV. So it was I mean, it was reality TV, but it was called Deaf U. And it was set at Gallaudet, which is the deaf university mm-hmm. in the US. Mm-hmm. And they do get into some of the different deaf cultures which was Mm -hmm. super interesting so yeah highly recommend i need to see if they did another season or if they just did the one and then got derailed by the pandemic but super fascinating to hear them talk about it and i'd love to hear more talk about that sort of stuff because i feel like you know as as folks who are in the sort of standard american culture we never hear about any of this yeah well yeah and and like part of researching for this really demonstrated just how Mm -hmm. little I know (laughs) and just how narrow my world is. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, (laughs) there are 22 events in the Summer Paralympics. None of them involve cats. (laughs) Oh. Well, they don't. That's for the Cat Olympics, Nancy. (laughs) That's for the Cat Olympics. Um. So, like I said, I'm not going to name all of them. Oh, though. Oh, I have a question. I don't know if either <laughs> of you know the answer to this. Okay. I mean, 
many people use seeing eye dogs and uh, dogs as uh, nobody uses a seeing eye cat. No, I'm saying <laughs> she wants to know if the they're in the Paralympics. Are there any no, events? No, they're replaced by humans. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Uh, I suppose that's true. I would love to see a person and dog race, though. I would love to see a person and human, a uh, person and human, Jesus, <laughs> a person and cat race. That would be fun. It's been a long week, y'all. Okay. It has. Agreed. <laughs> so in the summer Paralympics, there is archery, something called athletics, which took me a really long time to figure out is track and field. Yeah. Yeah. I think they did that for the Olympics too. They called it, I saw it yeah. referred to in a few places of athletics, which seems... Oh maddeningly vague yes but... like it's all athletics isn't it yes yeah. <laughs> yes please purr directly into the microphone he will rub his face on it <laughs> yeah sorry joe um okay so athletics which includes shot put long jump um 100 meter sprint 400 meter sprint 800 meter discus and javelin um badminton well this is not no longer in track and field mm-hmm. we're out of athletics slash track and gotcha. field gotcha Badminton, um, bocce, which is one of the only two sports that does not have an Olympic counterpart. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nancy, when you were talking about... Um, Goalball? Uh, no, when you were talking about um, like uh, augmentations, it's not the mm-hmm. right word, that I, but I can't think of it. Um, Handicaps? Bocce is... Huh? Handicaps? Like, where they... No, no, it's like things that... Things that assistive assistive devices. Oh, okay. I thought um, you meant like the goggles they make the goalball people wear yeah. to even it out. I see. No, no. Okay. Opposite direction. Gotcha. Um, so there are people with like cerebral palsy mm-hmm. who don't have a ton of physical control, so they can have a guide hold a bocce slide basically for them. Mm-hmm. But the guide is not allowed to look at the field. Oh, interesting. The guide is only allowed to move in the directions and the ways that the athlete indicates. Huh. So the guide is only moving that thing. They are not like right. they're not like strategic involved uh-huh. or anything like that. That's so interesting. I have no idea how bocce ball is actually played. Uh, I, I, so I feel like it's, real... it's kind of like marbles but yeah. with bigger balls. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> you whack balls um, into each other. Yeah. Um, there's canoeing, cycling, equestrian. Um, there's five-a-side football, which is basically soccer. Um, here, Brazil is undefeated in the Paralympics Dang. in five-a-side football. Um, this is one of those sports where um, the spectators have to be completely silent because the ball has a bell inside of it, oh, so that cool. the so that the um, players know where the ball is. That's cool. Um, all players have to be eligible for the B one classification, which is um, totally or almost totally blind, mm-hmm. except for the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper may be sighted or partially sighted. Um, then there is goalball. This is the other one in the Paralympics that has no Olympic counterpart. This one kind of felt to me like water polo on land. <laughs> yeah, I it was described <laughs> as indoor soccer, but but yeah, there's 
Yeah. Or handball-like? Is that ish? I it's, don't know enough about handball to say. It's that genre okay. of, yeah. of game. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so um, this is another one where players wear, uh, or the, I guess Nancy mentioned this. This is one where players wear eye shades mm-hmm. to ensure a level playing field with respect to vision. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I meant to say football, the five-a-side football not only does the ball have a bell inside, um, the the field court, whatever you call, it, is is like sighted indoor foot indoor soccer, in that it doesn't have an it doesn't have a like an um, an outside edge. Mm. the The mm-hmm. edge of the field is like a barrier, like right. a physical barrier, so you can't okay. run outside of the field. Right. There's no out of bounds. Thank you. Those are the words I was looking for. <laughs> um, so in goalball, um, the uh, the court is nine meters wide, and the goal spans the entire width of that court. Mm-hmm. Oh um, wow! Yeah, yeah. Uh, like and there's a, only one goalie. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, though I think like players can act as goalie. It's probably just you can't use your hands like. Like the goalie can. Um, so it's, uh, goalball is governed by the International Blind Sports Federation. And actually this year is celebrating its 75th anniversary. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in goalball, the ball has several bells in it. Um, because again, everybody is at the same level of mm-hmm. sightedness. Um, and the court is marked like the floor of the court is marked with raised lines. Hmm. So individual athletes can feel where they are on the court. Um, And this is another one where spectators have to be completely silent so that the athletes can tell where the ball is. That would be so hard. Yeah. I feel like I would just be making the most outlandish facial expressions and well, like, yeah, especially if you know somebody exactly, on the team. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, but I've also got to imagine, like, if you're playing goalball, mm-hmm. you already have some level of um, vision impairment. Mm-hmm. So you're used to using your, you know, your sense of hearing and mm-hmm. touch and all that stuff to to move around in the world. So I'm not suggesting that it's easy to play goalball by any stretch of the imagination but it might be easier for mm-hmm. somebody who is already who's used dealing to... with sight limitations right. than it would oh, be yeah, for yeah, us yeah. definitely suddenly definitely. <laughs> to be wearing a blindfold and trying to figure out where the ball is yeah it just makes me think of this guy i saw on video a few years back this was i think before tiktok was a thing but it's it was the sort of thing you'd see on tiktok and this teenage guy had, like, basically taught himself echolocation. Ooh. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think I knew humans could do that, but he totally no. could. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, he could navigate around using it. It was wild. Yeah. So, it, yes, your senses <laughs> can, <Yeah>. can compensate. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the U.S. women are the most successful team in the history of goalball. Nice. They won something like eight world championships and four Paralympics. Nice. Yeah. Um, so then there is judo and powerlifting. 
two separate sports. They don't do those together. <laughs> Thank you for the uh, clarification. Probably for the best. Yes. In in rowing, that they actually include mixed doubles and fours. So they mix hmm. the biological sexes in the boats. Um, they use the same boats as the Olympics, but there are a few safety modifications. So um, single skulls have buoys or pontoons on either side of the boat. Um, to help maintain balance, mm. and the rowers are strapped to their seats. Mm-hmm. Um, in doubles, the seats are stationary, and then depending on depending on the classification of the the athlete and the event, um, individual rowers the seats may be stationary, or they they might also be strapped in. Like there there are different modifications for the safety of the athlete to the mm. boats. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a shooting event, um, and then there is sitting volleyball. Um, and from what I, from what I was reading, it sounds like the rules are relatively similar to standing indoor and beach volleyball. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, there's six players on a side, you have to rotate, there's a net. Of course, for sitting volleyball, the net is much lower, um, closer to the ground, um, and the the main rule here is your buttocks must be in contact with the floor when you play the ball. Hmm. So you can you can move yourself around. You can roll over. Use you can your use your arms, hands to move so... you around. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever. But when you are playing the ball, butt on the floor. Gotcha. That's yeah. really interesting for spiking and stuff. You gotta. Spike mm-hmm. from a seated position. So you want somebody yes. with yeah. really long arms. Yes. Long arms, long torso. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Um, and then there are also swimming, table tennis, taekwondo, triathlon, and then four wheelchair sports, basketball, fencing, rugby, and tennis. And those are your 22 summer Paralympic sports. That's awesome. Um, Very cool. Yeah. Now, the really exciting part of this, honestly, is that it should be pretty easy for us to watch. Ooh, that is exciting. Yeah. I thought we were going to have yeah. to really hunt it down. No. So NBC and NBCSN and Peacock are going to have the events. Awesome. So NBC appears to be basically maintaining the same coverage that they had for the Olympics for Terrific. the Paralympics. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and I just today visited the NBC Olympics website because I'm, I'm still watching through some of the, yeah. the events that I missed. And as of today, at least, the 20th, um, when you go to on the schedule to click on the sports, uh, it shows the, the Paralympic sports first. So you can even look at the schedule now for what's coming on. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think the sport, the opening ceremony is Tuesday and the events start Wednesday. How long do they go? Do you know? Is that it, would be a really good question like a to week know the answer or two. to. And I'm gonna I'm gonna rely on Rachel to look that up while I tell you about how else you can watch it. Okay. Um, Sounds good. If you are yeah, so in the US, NBC, NBCSN, the app, mm-hmm. um, Peacock the app, those are all um, those are all ways to watch. If you're in the UK or you, you know, have one of those VPN things that can trick your computer into <laughs> believing that you're in the UK. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, channel4.co.uk and their 
what was it called? It's like a, they called it like a micro channel, paralympics.channel4.com. They are going to have up to 16 live streams at a time. Dang. Um, You just need to make an account for their site, but there's no payment or credit card needed. Awesome. Um, And that um, channel four is also compatible with a whole bunch of streaming devices like Amazon Fire and Roku and PS4. Mm-hmm. It is not. It doesn't appear to be available on the Apple TV. Um, but I like that was. I, I was shocked. I was shocked yeah. that um, it was going to be so widely accessible on NBC and this Channel Four UK yeah. site. That's that's one of the few times I'm pleasantly surprised in in sports (laughs) coverage yeah well and i mean honestly because we know nbcsn is going away Mm -hmm. so it would not have surprised me if they were like olympics Mm -hmm. done goodbye we don't exist anymore so the fact that they're you know going to still be around for another couple weeks Mm -hmm. um to to show us the paralympics is pretty awesome yeah agreed yeah yeah do you have dates for us rachel Yes, uh, August 24th through September 5th. Oh, okay. So just under two weeks. Just under two weeks. All right. Awesome. Very nice. I love it. And then by that time, we'll be almost into hockey (laughs) preseason. But who's counting? And these are the things that I care about. Mm -hmm. Well, do you guys have anything else that you want to bring up about Paralympics? Oh, I think um, I I fell down another mini rabbit hole on uh, cheating. <laughs> oh yes, a little bit. yes, yeah, yes. Because I saw that. I actually don't have many notes for this as I would like to. So um, the Russian athletes at the 2014 Sochi Paralympics were also found to be guilty of doping. Wow. Yeah. So Russia was banned entirely from the 2016 Rio Paralympics. Um, I'm not sure if uh they're. I assume they're going to be competing as the ROC and not Russia mm-hmm. in the, the Paralympics as well as the Olympics. But I uh, didn't find a, a exact source yeah. saying that. Um, and the other thing I was looking into was it's called boosting. Mm. Oh, I this saw this. It is nuts. Yeah. Oh, so man. It's specifically for athletes with um, spinal injuries mm-hmm. or paralysis. Mm-hmm. So for people with intact regular spines, um, our bodies prepare for for sports or for, you know, things by letting out adrenaline, which raises our blood pressure, raises our heart rate. Which is also why stress is bad. Yes. Why with spinal injuries, they can't do that. And so it's actually good for athletic competitions because it keeps your body from tiring out. It keeps you from feeling fatigue. Yeah. So, so some... I'm not sure what percentage. I couldn't quite find people with spinal injuries. Their bodies don't do that. So they don't naturally, uh, their blood pressure doesn't, doesn't raise as high. Um, at least in the context of a sporting event. So uh, there's this process called boosting where uh, people will essentially self harm. Yeah. It's, it's in order to artificially boost their blood pressure and heart rate. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, by doing things like, you know, constricting their legs too tightly with safety straps or blocking catheters to make their bladders fill or uh, in the most extreme uh, version, like breaking bones, Mm -hmm. like breaking toes. Mm -hmm. Because they can't feel it also. Yeah, they don't feel pain. 
but they get the the boost from their that. body does so, respond. Uh, that... Athletes are fucked. Yeah, you, athletes yeah. are wrong. fucked up. But I mean, you know, we'll see that in in any athletic competition. And you know, well, like I said, for the the Russian athletes, you yeah, know, doping has been a problem. Steroids have yeah. been a problem. So it just goes shows that athletes are nuts. Regardless, yeah, just athletes are nuts. Full stop. Um, yeah. So that has officially been banned. I want to say since like 1994, mm-hmm. and they they uh, check the athlete's blood pressure before competing. For that. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, before we before we hang up this podcast, I do want to highlight a couple of um, U.S. athletes to watch. Oh, yes, and please I, do. And I got this entirely from PopSugar.com. Okay. So, full disclosure. <laughs> um, the first is Scout Bassett. She is in track and field. She is a um, single amputee. Um, and she, has, she is a five-time world championship medalist. Um, and she competed in the Rio games. Next, we have Mackenzie Cohn, who's in, who's a swimmer. She has osteogenesis imperfecta, which is a brittle bone disease. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and she's able to, wow, okay. Yeah, and she's, she, um, at least it, it appears she, you know, her, her image for this article is in a wheelchair. So I'm assuming that's how she gets around most of the time. Um, at, in Rio, she won three gold medals uh, in the 50 meter free, the 400 meter free, and the 100 meter free, and a silver in the 4 by 100 meter relay. She's also won 10 medals in the world championships. Um, and, oh, sorry, I, yes, she has won 10 medals in the world championships. Period, end of sentence. <laughs> <laughs> um, next, we have Nikki Neves. Um, and she plays sitting volleyball. She competed in 2016 in Rio and won a gold medal with Team USA. And then we have another sitting volleyball um, athlete, Kaleo Kanahale, Kanahale, sorry. Um, she also competed in the 2016 games where she won uh, gold with Team USA. Um, and she competed in 2012 in London where she won silver. Um, she has also been in three world championships where she won silver in all three. Next, we have Jessica Long, who is a double amputee um, and a swimmer. She competed in the Paralympics in 2004, Athens, uh, 2008 in Beijing, 2012 in London, 16 in Rio. She's a 23-time medalist. Jeez. Wow, and she's competing again this, I assume, this Uh Olympics? Uh Wow, that's a long career. Yes. Um, She has 13 gold medals, 6 silver, 4 bronze, um, and she is the second most decorated Paralympian in U.S. history. Nice. Um, She was born, oh, you know what, I called her a double amputee, and that was, that's incorrect. Um, She was born with fibular... Hemimalia, which means she did not, she was born without fibulas, ankles, heels, and most of the other um, Mm -hmm. bones in her feet. So when she was a year and a half old, she had to have her legs amputated below the knees Mm -hmm. so she could be fitted with prosthetic legs so she could walk. Mm -hmm. But she joined competitive swimming at 10 years old. And when she participated in the Paralympics in 2004 in Athens, she was 12. 
Wow. Wow. So I guess that uh, age limit has not been in place since. Uh, perhaps no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. The next one. I got to is... interject. Yeah. I believe that in the Paralympic swimming, they do not do this. But if I were an amputee and I swam, I would get the most baller custom fins. <laughs> Just that I could, like live my mermaid dreams you yes. know and just like yeah. shoot through the water but i'm sure that's yes. not i suspect that is not an allowable like accommodation system device. i'm just yes. saying it'd be device, so cool yeah. <laughs> um uh next we have Alyssa seely she is a triathlete she won gold at the 2016 paralympics in rio and is a three-time para triathlon world champion um, and she has won 12 gold medals at World Paratriathlon events. And then we have Melissa Stockwell, who is also a triathlete. I recognize her name. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I don't know um, why. <laughs> um, she, oh, you know what? She might be in one of the commercials. Mm, okay, that could be. Um, she competed in the 20, 2008 Beijing Paralympics as a swimmer. And in the 2016 games in Rio in the paratriathlon where she won a bronze. Hmm. Um, she's also a three-time paratriathlon world champion and a four-time USA paratriathlon national champion. Nice. Um, and in 2013, she completed her first Ironman race. Dang. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is Oksana Masters, who does road cycling. Oh, cool. She's a five... Yeah, she's a five-time Paralympian who competes in both the Summer and Winter Games. Um, she is an eight-time Paralympic medalist with two gold, three silver, and three bronze medals. And she has 16 World Championship medals. And I'm going to show you guys this picture because I can. <laughs> this is... Oh, shoot, I've already forgotten her name. Oksana? Oksana, Oksana Masters. Oh, so, I've seen these nice. bikes. Those are so yeah. cool. Yeah. So she's in one of the. It's like a it's tricycle. It's not a recumbent bike, but yeah. it's like it's a it's it's a seated bike, as if you don't sit it's on. It's similarly all bikes. low to the ground. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like a sled hockey mm -hmm. um, apparatus, but with three wheels, and she uses her arms mm -hmm. to, to pedal, pedal bike as yeah. opposed to her legs. Yeah. So those are eight of our athletes that we are going to pay attention to. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll, um, I'll post that this article or mm -hmm. something either on Twitter or, you know, highlight, highlight these athletes that we want to keep an eye on, on Instagram. That'd be great. Cause yeah, yeah, that's, that's, it's always exciting to have somebody to root for. It is. Yeah. And I mean, these athletes are extremely well decorated. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now that is all I have about the Paralympics. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to add? No, yeah. I'm, I'm just excited to, to watch it. You know, it's we talked a little bit, I think, last week about how the Olympics being over on the one hand is a little bit of a relief because we have our our time back. <laughs> But also a letdown because it was so much a fun. Huge bummer. Yeah. yeah. So it's really nice to to be like, oh, okay, but no, we get them back for you know another two weeks. Yeah. We get like round yeah. two, and then you yeah. know, 
So I think well, and really you know what? For me, part of it, part of the Olympics, like again, would have been totally fine and supported yep. if they canceled the Olympics because we 100%. are still in a pandemic. Yes, yes. <laughs> but yes. since they were on, and since there is still a pandemic, like mm-hmm. it was a nice escape, mm-hmm. and it was yeah. something to do because, like, I don't know about you guys. I'm still not really leaving my house and going to do a lot of stuff. Nope. Yeah, and something to look forward to, yeah. too. That's kind of been my mm-hmm. issue with stuff in the pandemic. Is... Something to bring you joy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> in fact. <laughs> Sobbing emoji. No, it's fine. I'm fine, Mom, I promise. Um, yeah, so so I'm excited about this because it, you know, it gives us something exciting again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. and there is that element of the Olympics that's always inspirational, right? The stories yeah. and and the people and the excellence, and the Paralympics has all of that and then some, right? So yeah. it's really, yeah, I'm excited for the for the yeah, narratives to. too. Yeah, I like a good story. All right. Well, then I will guess. I guess we all do our wrap up. So I will remind you that you can find us on Instagram at Falpuck Podcast and on Twitter at Falpuck Pod, and our website is falpuckpodcast.net, which I've been giggling about for the last week because as we were doing our sign off last week, I was like, dot net. It's another sports thing. You do Wait, know that's why we picked time. it, right? Literally for the first time, I had that thought last week. That's amazing. I thought you were, you and Nancy were both like, yeah, it has to be done. No, 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 no. That was Rebecca and Kyle. Or uh, no, me. It was you and me sitting on the couch because I just saw this. I tweeted about it when it happened. You and I were sitting on my couch two years ago, setting up our website. (laughs) And we were debating with each other, should it be .com or .org or .net? And Kyle sitting next to us looks at us like we're stupid and says... (laughs) It's got to be .net, guys. Isn't that kind of the joke? And we looked at each other and we went, oh. Well, you let Kyle know I finally got the joke. I literally <laughs> two years later. I feel very validated. Thank you, Rebecca. Yeah. Uh, we are still surprising and delighting ourselves even two years And in. I mean, what more is there in life, honestly? Not Wasn't much. Was two-year right anniversary now. yesterday? Was it the 9th or the 19th? I thought it was 17th. It's in August. It's in August. It's in August. I mean, there's also the anniversary of the first time we recorded versus the anniversary of the first time we posted anything. Yeah, that's true. There was a delay there. I am realizing that I have all of my batshit ideas that I drag people into sometime around June. No, no, because I start talking about it in June and then we launch in August. So Mm. our first recording was on August 17th. Hey. 17th okay and a week later i was at the burj khalifa nice sorry they're both on my calendar so that's fair that's fair (laughs) yeah all right rachel who do we need to thank today oh right it's my turn (laughs) we would like to thank (laughs) joe for making sense out of all this nonsense good luck (laughs) exactly our hats are off to you (laughs) kevin mcleod at incompetech.com for our music And I would like to encourage everybody to share our podcast, tell a friend, give us a rating. Uh, You know, we have a good time. We think you'd have a good time, too. And especially when we're, we're, it's a journey of discovery. Come with us on the journey of discovery (laughs) and entertainment. Yes, thank you. That was the sound effect I was waiting for. Uh, 
and tell your friends and give us a rating because more ratings are good. And we're going to be doing, you know, it's coming up on basketball season, hockey season, and then we're going to do all our Winter Olympics primers in like two months because holy shit, it's almost September and the Winter Olympics are in February. So like, and we don't want to do it all at once and make Joe quit on us. (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs) So stay tuned. We got a lot of great content coming. Yeah. Yeah. And we will catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.